You're listening. You're listening. You're listening. You're listening to Music Biz 101 and more. If you want to learn about the music industry and you don't know where to go, tune in to WP88.7. Great to have you here today. I'm your professor, David Kirk Philp, along with Dr. Esteban. Marconi, former professor. The current doctor, and always a doctor. They'll never take yeah. it away from you. That's right. We want to thank everybody for listening, and follow us on Instagram, on the Twitter, at musicbiz101wp.com. And we should tell you that uh, we have some thanks to give. You want to give the thanks? Why don't we give the thanks? Sure. Here we go. We're going to give thanks. We're going to give thanks to the folks at Van Nuyen, Bruno Inc. and White Hat Management with artists like Dave Matthews, Readers Down, St. Vincent, Kiss, Zach Brown. There's only one place to go for your band's business management. Go to vb-cpa.com when you're ready. And we want to give thanks to Christine. Boy. They, a wealth manager at the Forefront Group. Christine has helped professionals all around the world manage their investments plan after their retirement. When somebody like you is thinking of building a bridge to your financial future, you want to think of the Forefront Group and go to christine.oyvay at forefront.com. Leave the last oy off for savings. And speaking of savings, everybody, save your money for the seventh edition of Managing Your Band. We are now with Ace Piva. A moment ago, I said Piva, which was very New Jersey of me, but it is Ace Piva. From over the bridge, Ace, it's great to have you. Former tour manager, 
He's an addiction recovery coach. He's the founding partner of Over the Bridge, an organization based in the Great White North, changing the conversation about mental health and recovery in the music community while, and this while means simultaneously providing a compassionate environment in which its members can and may thrive. Ace, it's great to have you on Music Biz 101 and more. <laughs> David, thank you for having me. Uh, much appreciated. Uh, it's, it's been great getting to know you over the last week or so. So thank you for having me here. And, and just let you know, and just let, I'm, I'm still tour managing, you know, despite, you know, when COVID is <laughs> back in thing, I'll, I'll be hitting the road with, with a few artists. So that's, you know, it's, I still do that. So. Good. Put a strike through, through my word former, and he is Ice Cube, a tour manager. So there That's we go. Right. <laughs> Brings us right to Dr. Esteban Marconi, who we begin with the third degree. No, I doesn't. I was just curious. Did over the bridge have a double meaning for us U.S. citizens? Uh, not no, not particularly. You know, growing up, uh, the Chili Peppers were uh, so, some music that was uh, played around my household a whole lot. And, uh, you know, the, you know, we know what the song Under the Bridge is about. And we figured, you know, after reading uh, Anthony's book, Scar Tissues, like, hey, if maybe we could have been there to help him over uh, the bridge instead of under. You know yeah. what I mean? So uh, that, that's kind of where it came from. So, yeah. Okay. Well, we would look at it as being over the St. Lawrence River or over yeah. wherever. Yeah. Canada. You know, you know, you know it, uh, I, I'm happy that, uh, you know, the bridge is there to connect us either way, uh, because although we do have some sort of border that uh, separates us uh, these days with the t technology and everything else, there's real no borders anymore. So uh, I, I'm right. happy about that. And I'm happy to help, you know, Americans, Canadians, you know, people are people. Uh, borders don't divide us. So. For about 30 summers, I've gone up to uh, Thousand Islands in St. Lawrence, Windsor, and Gananaqua, Rockport, so on. And you just look at that border and say, why do I have to check in at Rockport? Or <laughs> Because it's, it's a cheese box. There's no question about it. Right. Getting back over to Alexander Bay or wherever, I mean, it's... Uh, it's a joke, actually, because there's so many places that you can come in, of course. But I digress. So how did you... Uh... Oh, excuse me, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I have to digress just a little bit more because you used the term, you called it the cheese box. I have, what do you mean when you say it's a cheese box? I've never heard that and I love it. But what Just is like Swiss cheese. In other words, cheese was carried in boxes that had air going through them. So cheese boxes always had holes in them. So that's what I was saying about the border. You can check in where you're supposed to in Rockport or on the other side, Alexandria Bay or whatever. I'm just using that locale. Uh, but actually the rest of the, the border is just a cheese box. I mean, just pull up to anybody's dock and make a run for it. And, yeah. <laughs> Very good, okay. So, Thank you. Uh, anyway, so Ace, what brought you to uh, create this? company well you know like i mentioned I, I i started off as a musician then i was the guy in my band that you know did the manager work and the tour manager work book and agent work and all that stuff but as i got older uh you know people wanted real jobs uh, real nine to five jobs 
that was never my style. You know, I've worked in and out of the factory world when I was younger, you know, to support my, my music hobbies. But when it was time to take it serious, uh, you know, I, I just followed the skills that I developed. You know, that was tour managing. And throughout the years, you know, you get in these unique situations with artists of especially the post uh, tour drives. You know, the show's done. Everybody's coming down from the excitement of the show or lack of excitement. And, we, and we, you know, when you're working with a young band, you're, you still got four or five hour drives after your shows. Like the show's not the end of your day. <laughs> That's right. So, so, we, so we end up having all these really, you know, in-depth personal conversation with all these artists, you know, guys who are hired guns and lead singers and, and all this stuff, you know, because when you're doing these after show drives, there's usually one person to make sure that I'm awake, you know, the, yeah. the driver. Uh, so as everybody else is sleeping, it feels like you got a little bit of privacy for, for a few moments. And mm. you start talking about, you know, uh, the stress of the lack of work-life balance, you know, especially as, you know, people are starting to get young families of their own. Uh, in these young bands, they all, often got like, so, you know, side jobs to uh, me, you know, help them pay for their bills when they're not on the road and things like that, uh, as well as, you know, they miss their family. Uh, and sometimes they struggle with the, the new fame or I shouldn't say fame, but, uh, mm -hmm. recognition. Mm -hmm. So, but as out with the Canadian hip hop guy and he was three, three and a half years into recovery. He had a few albums under his belt that talked about his journey of recovery. And then he relapsed, uh, management didn't give it, uh, eight agents all they cared about was him making it to the stage uh but after his relapse he was still going on stage and touting that he was still clean and sober although that wasn't the case yeah. uh but there was one particular instance where me and him got in a three-hour fight four-hour fight because he wouldn't do a 15-minute interview uh with a radio station that he had asked to do an interview with during his recovery while he was still in recovery uh, but now I couldn't get him to do anything. Mm -hmm. uh, and so as I left this, this bus and, you know, it takes a lot to upset me. And I was 20 out of 10 on the Richter scale of, of pissed offness and all that other stuff. And so as I left this bus, a fan came up to me and wanted to meet him. And I go, okay, well, so does everybody else. You know, I try to, you know, just push him off or whatever. Mm -hmm. But he, but he told me an interesting story on how, he was in active uh, addiction for 10 plus years, you know, overdosed three times, died twice. And he had gone to rehabs, detox, AA, NA. It sounded like he gave it a really honest go. But because he was so immersed into the world of hip hop from the language and, and the culture aspect of it, that when he went into those places, that there, there was a lack of communication or understanding and he found that understanding in the words of this artist in these albums. So at this point he was just hit his year mark of sobriety and mm -hmm. he gave credit to the message he found in these records. Uh, he wanted to meet and he wanted to thank the artist for saving his life essentially. Mm -hmm. uh, but because he had relapse, I couldn't do it. And it really put me in a tough position. And one I wasn't expecting to be in, uh, I tried to help the artist the best I could. Uh, but I really didn't have the skills. So after that tour and after some time thinking about it and talking to a few people, 
I ended up going back to school, becoming an addictions counselor, working at a, a few different programs around my city. Uh, and then that's where I kind of found the power of peer support. I, I was running these aftercare groups where guys have already, uh, you know, been through some sort of treatment program. A lot of them just got out of jail and the new guys were struggling. They didn't know where to go, but then they would see guys that they were ex cellmates with and, you know, but like eight months, six months ahead of them in their recovery time and seeing the success that they were having. And, but what, but not just the success, but what sort of changes that they needed to, to make in, and we had an opportunity to talk how they were able to make them because a lot of them come from the same sort of environments uh, and all that. And, you know, they really got uh, the, the honest talk that they needed to and the support. Uh, and because I'd already had these sort of discussions with my people in my music industry, I just thought that was the coolest thing around. So I started up a Facebook peer support group. Uh, it was soon recommended that I turn it into a nonprofit. So with under a month from starting this group with really no ambition, I didn't know what to do with it. I just thought it would be a cool place for people to talk. Uh, and then I, we got accepted and we became a nonprofit. Uh, and that was, that was the start of it. That was in 2017 and, uh, it's going to be four years in August. And uh, through that time, we've been able to grow our community, focus our community on the types of help. Uh, and with COVID being here, uh, you know, it forced me not to be on the road. Uh, I was on the road when all the COVID stuff hit and our shows got cut and we got sent home and all that stuff, uh, but allowed me time to start up uh, peer support Zoom groups, uh, which had been really helpful for our community members. And... And, you know, we've been, you know, just spreading the word, trying to uh, show compassion wherever we can uh, to let people know that it's okay not to be okay. And if you're not okay and you need to talk about it, we are here for you uh, with a compassionate ear and, and we provide a safe space for, for people to do that. So mm-hmm. and it's, it's just been uh, growing a little bit by over bit, a little bit. And as more time passes, we're able to accomplish uh, some pretty cool things. So it's, it's mm-hmm. very humbling. We have uh, a friend of ours, Gene Bowen, who has a company called Road Recovery. Yeah, I, I, I've been down there and I visited Gene. Gene's a great man. Yeah, right. And uh, same thing from experience and also uh, trying to um, offer crews that are straight uh, to when, when, when we are out on the road. Um, I have a, um, a niece that's 42 now that's been in and out of everything and uh, the jail time, so on, the total, you know, can't believe her truth, so on and so forth. Mm. But I find the more I experiment and try to help her that uh, the mental health structure in America is, is awful. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's basically really awful unless you're totally done. It's very hard to find, um, decent repetitive help do you find that in canada or uh or what i mean yeah i i've been through that with uh with a close family member who, who was struggling trying to get in and unless they said they were suicidal there's nothing that they could do for them uh so what we had to do in order to push the boundaries was you know uh 
the my family member wasn't uh, suic- suicidal thoughts, but they didn't have the plan in place. Mm-hmm. And for those facilities to take them, they, you know, the person would have to have that, their plan in place. Right. But that doesn't negate that the fact that, you know, they were in bed for the past six months and not able to get up and out yeah. of it yeah. and, and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. uh, so what we had to do was uh, sort of put together a little lie going into it right. you know we would go and say yes she is suicidal you know we answered the right. questions because we had gone through it a few times you know right. so we learned how to play the game a little bit and we would have to say yes she's suicidal this is the plan you know we even wrote one out uh you know in order to provide evidence like just anything mm-hmm. to get her in there mm-hmm. uh, and th- there was a struggle and i understand the reason i understand why it's hard to get in it's because they are over, they don't have the, the the amount of facilities. You know, there's a lot of people struggling out there, so they need to be picky on who they take in. And unfortunately, it is those people who are at the bottom or at their wits' end. Yeah. And uh, but so that got me thinking. You know, and while well, I was actually going through through my addictions counseling school. That I was going through that as well. So it was sort of like, you know, mental health and, and addiction. I was sort of learning about it and learning how the system treats it. And I sort of got sick and tired. Like there, there's some mental health conditions that over the bridge is not equipped, you know, bipolar, schizophrenic and, and things like that. But right. if we're talking about anxiety, depression, things like that, uh, we, we believe that with proper support systems, trusted community members that we could lean on each other to get the support. So we don't have, don't necessarily get to that suicidal place uh, frame of mind, but just because you're not in a suicidal frame of mind, doesn't mean you're not struggling. doesn't mean you're not having a bad day. So yeah. And I'm, I'm kind of tired and and I'm sick and tired of people referrals. Like come to me, I'll give you a referral for, Eventually, right. those referrals just end up circling around to each other. You get so, on a treadmill, exactly. And that's frustrating. So that's where in, in our space, we say, come to us. You know, th- yeah. this is where the treadmill stops. Yeah, uh, I, bring it, I bring it up because, you know, um, musicians have a different lifestyle. And they work nights and people work days. And it makes it even more difficult. So when you reach out your hand... It isn't that somebody has never tried. It's somebody that maybe has tried, but because of their own schedule and so on, they can't keep up with the structure that is for the nine to fiver. And uh, a lot of musicians, artists in general, not only, uh, but visual artists too, give up. Yeah, you know, the music industry does have its unique challenges. Uh, Lack of uh, lack of work-life balance. Uh, you know, normally you get to clock out at five and get home for five thirty, right. and you have your evenings with your family and you get your eight hours sleep. And, uh, that's just not the reality, you know, cause even if you're fortunate enough to be in a bus rather than a van, you're still moving and that's hard to get to sleep. It's 12, 
you know, anywhere between four and 12 people in, in a bus and it's cramped and th- mm-hmm. th- things like that. And uh, the, the type of food you're able to keep refrigerated on the bus is limited. Uh, yeah. you, it's hard to eat clean, everything, you know, sure there's a few grocery stores that you can go to and have a little bit more variety but when you're in a small to middle size van you're still in the van uh and people go oh can't you make that trip to the grocery store you're like i i just played i gotta drive eight hours and then i gotta sleep in the van during the daytime while i wait for the venue to open up and uh i uh you know, I was I was on uh, Epic Records in the early '70s, so I was a great opening band. I mean, anyone from the Grateful Dead to whomever. But the idea is, you would go out on the weekends in cars and the truck and so on, and you play these big venues. But then Tuesday night, you're back at some bar and grill for 200 people to try to make ends meet because you certainly lost money on the on the weekend, basically. Yeah. Uh, and that becomes a schizophrenic lifestyle. I mean, you're there and you're in front of 5,000, 10,000 people. Then you're in trying to pull 200 so that you can make the bills and so on. And all this adds up in terms of a musician, um, you know, in terms of basically what we sometimes we think of front stage and backstage lives, because front stage are in front of the lights and backstage is the, is the reality. And trying to keep that distinction and keep both of them healthy is very, very difficult uh, for musicians. Well, it, it takes very different skills to manage each side of that th- those those lo- those lives and, and that relationship. No, no one's really built, and no matter how much schooling and preparation you get, it's a totally different feeling from being in front of the crowd and off the crowd, uh, and and not ha- like and not having a life where you're in front of that many people all the time and i kind of where i think you're going or i'm going to take it there is is that you know when you're up in front of the crowd you end up getting these uh dopamine hits in in your brain that goes up through the roof uh i know the instant gratification the yell of the crowd or and that's if it's a positive experience but if you go up there the dopamine hits still go off even if it's a negative experience yeah so so like, like, you, like, like pure example, what, what you just said is like, you're playing the big places on the weekends, it's all filth. And then all of a sudden you go to some small town on a Tuesday, uh, the venue is capacity 600, but you bring in 150 people and you go, Oh, well that, that sucks. Uh, yeah. And then when you get home, you're still riding high, whether it was a g- good event or, or bad event, you still got these dopamine levels that you got to deal with. Mm-hmm. And they mm-hmm. gotta and they gotta level out at some point, and you know we often don't think about what that self care routine while we're in that transition is, and and then while we're home, how is our family supposed to react to us mm-hmm. as we're in this transitional stage? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, th- three to four days uh, of the sort of uh, dopamine drop, and and then all of a sudden, if you're like doing the weekend warrior stuff, okay, well, that's, that's Wednesday, Thursday, you have a good day, Friday, you're back out again. (laughs) So, so there's no consistency of emotional regulation and we have to deal with it. And our loved ones around us have to deal with it. 
And then they're, you know, and then how do we manage that? Well, from, from my personal experiences, since substance use is normalized, glamorized or romanticized, uh, you know, here you go, here's the free beer tickets and all that. And so, well, we're trying, and when we're home, uh, I, I know a lot of people, while they're trying to manage that sort of come down, is they put themselves in environments where it's still acceptable to, to drink. So it's like, you know, you get back home, well, I'm going to go into the studio for Monday and Tuesday, where you could drink on the job and still have that sort of, it's not as high as a dopamine kick. Because because that's what music does. That's why we love music in the first place. Yeah. It makes it instant gratification. It affects our mood. We're feeling sad. Let's put on a sad song. It you know it it, it uh and it, we have the ability to match music with how we're feeling, which kicks up our dopamines. So we are addicted to this like unnatural dopamine rush for such long periods of time, and then it comes down. And so like. For an example, we see, you know, artists like just or not so much these days, but Justin Bieber and these new artists, you know, that next thing you know, they're in the newspapers because they're driving their $50 million cars, you know, 300 miles down the, the expressway and all that stuff. And they're like, why are they doing this crazy behavior? Well, because they're still, and it's often a couple months after they, they've come off these tours. Right, and it's because they're still trying to capture that that dopamine rush yeah. that 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 they experienced in front of twenty thousand fans on yeah. a daily basis. So what about Tiger Woods, exactly. Yeah, he he, he he's and gone through. If he a wasn't season. that way, he probably wouldn't be a great golfer. Yeah. So so the I guess the question is: Is suffering for the art worth the impact that it has on our lives? Mm-hmm. I, I don't have an answer for that. That's a very personal answer that people are going to have to answer for themselves and explore. Right. Uh, sometimes yes, sometimes majority no. I, I that's my opinion, but uh, it, it's, uh, it's it's a definitely a fact a factor to look at. Now, does your organization have sponsors? I mean, how does it survive? Uh, like financial sponsors? Yes. Uh, we are looking into that, but right now it's all done pro bono, even by myself. Uh, and, but Hey, if anybody wants to make a donation, we are more than happy to take any donations. Uh, but yeah, we've actually taken a, a look at that internally. And, you know, uh, this, when I got into this, this wasn't about making money. Mm -hmm. Uh, it, it was about making a difference. Uh, but as time has come on, you know, I, I would like to, uh, stick with my one or two artists when we get back into normal, but I don't want to go back out on the road uh, as much as, uh, as I once was we six and nine months a year. Uh, you know, I, I'd really like to be able to focus in on this or, or which COVID, you know, there's been a lot of bad to COVID, but for me personally, the, the positive is I've been able to really focus on this and mm -hmm. the focus mm -hmm. has been uh, very impactful mm -hmm. uh, on a lot of people. So, yeah. Dave? Yeah, the reason we're talking, by the way, I should make it clear, is this started because the month of May every year is wow. mental, health, mental Health Awareness Month. And as we record this, it's April 30th, 2021. And this podcast radio show will go out there, I think, May 4th or 3rd or 4th or something. Um, 
2021. But um, hopefully everything we're talking about are, are things that, that go on for a long time and make sense. The reason you and I, Ace, uh, connected was in a class at William Patterson University, somebody mentioned uh, a project that Rolling Stone had written about that you're connected to, which is called the 27 Project, or if that was the official name. So can you kind of explain what that is and, and how that the, the press, I guess, the publicity you got out of that has helped the organization. Yeah, so we were part of a project called the Lost Tapes of the 27 Club, where we work with an agency to produce uh, four songs that were, that were we use uh, data uh, and we put it into artificial intelligence software. One is called uh, Ma magenta that it's an open source by google so it's not nothing special like it's out there you anybody could use it and we chose artists who had large catalogs and uh so we may, may you know put out we, we released these four songs uh rolling stone may you know we we released it about a you know probably about three or four weeks ago before it got picked up we actually thought the project was sort of dead in the water and then Rolling Stone picked it up and it went global and the songs went from less than 200 views to uh, over 1.1, maybe 1.2 million within 10 days. Uh, and it garnered a lot of attention. It got translated in, into Arabic, French, you know, all different languages. And uh, uh, it's brought a lot of fantastic attention uh, to Over the Bridge and what we're doing. Talk about what the 27 Club is, because some people, some of the younger yeah. uh, listeners might not necessarily get who, who all these people are, but explain what it is. Yeah, the 27 Club is an unfortunate club where artists lost ages at, at lost their lives at the age of 27. Uh, you know, R Robert Johnson is one of them, Kurt Cobain, Amy Winehouse, uh, Jimi Hendrix, the Jim Morrison. There's, there's a whole bunch of our artists in there and, you know, members of the Allman brothers are in there. Uh, it, it's a very large group. And, you know, we want this, that club to not have any more members. Uh, and the idea with this is to kind of, because we can't deny that art of, uh, or that technology is here to stay because hence how we are doing this interview. But at the same time, even with how strong technology is, if you listen to the songs, I, I, th I think they're, they're pretty good, but you can also tell that it's missing something. I like to say it's missing the soul, uh, the, the human element to it, and uh, that no matter how good technology gets, uh, we can't replace what we've lost. So we want to keep the artists who are here, uh, you know, long, we want them here long past the age of 27. So we continue, uh, you know, loving the music that, that our artists create, uh, and that that was that that was our impact statement on that. And we don't want to lose any more artists. And but at the same time, we wanted to bring attention to the fact that we have lost a lot of very important artists in the past. But we we, we don't want to lose any more to, to either mental health or or substance use. Yeah, and and so it's interesting. So there's that article. A student in one of my classes talked about it because we we always talk about current events. And so I wrote down in my notes over the bridge and then I looked you guys up and then just so people who are listening understand all these different connections, 
I manage an artist named Gina Royale who has a song coming out next week called Here's to You that's dedicated to mental health because she's had issues with anxiety and multiple eating disorders. So I contacted you, can this song connect to Over the Bridge? You connected back, you listened, you said, yeah, then you, me, Gina, we all had a Zoom. You're gonna actually appear on a live stream with Gina next week. You're doing this with us right now. Gina's going to do, uh, you know, do a write-up that's going to go on your website about the song and, you know, you'll tweet it out or whatever. But it's kind of interesting how, um, in terms of marketing your organization, marketing this song, um, how mm-hmm. it all can, and the theme overall connects to May being Mental Health Awareness Month. So it's just uh, wanted people to understand that part too. Yeah, you know, with, with, with that, I like, like, I keep going back to our mission statement, which is, change the conversation about mental health and you change it by having it and so you know events like this like we're having here but also you know highlighting songs that are about meant you know struggles but then also with what we're doing with gina is we're asking her to write down uh you know a behind behind the music uh, sort of a description of of her song, the story that influenced it. Because uh, as I was doing my addiction counselor, one thing trick I'd always do is I'd bring out song lyrics, you know, and say, "Hey, let let's talk about these songs." And a lot of the guys say, "Hey, I used to party with to that song. I didn't even know that song was about recovery. I didn't know that song was you know Aerosmith by Amazing. It, it's a great song, but it's." the songs about it's amazing that they're still alive after mm-hmm. all that they've been through. And here I got guys going to say, I party to that. So I'm like, have you ever listened to it? He goes, no, but I know every lyric, but they've never thought about the lyrics. So, so by highlighting sort of the, the meaning and the story behind the lyrics, we hope to give uh, fans and other industry me- members a perspective and a new insight to what some of these songs mean. I think, by the way, that also makes a song a better song when you suddenly realize that there's a deeper meaning than just the surface of whatever you think the lyrics are. U2 has a bunch of songs that, wow, those are really good songs, but then you realize, you know, that song's about God or that song is about religion. And you're like, really? Then you listen to it and you're like, like the song one, and you can put it in different situations and you're like, oh my yeah. God, you're, you're right. And so that's when it's not on the nose, you know, when I'm not just singing you are sick and I need to make you better, you know, but instead if I can make it more of a a metaphor about life and not strictly tell you what it is, then you have to think about it and hear it and understand it. And then, then that song can become part of your soul, but that is really hard to do because you're talking about real songwriting at that point. Yeah. Like one of my, one of my favorite uh, artists is Macklemore and he talks about recovery all the time. And one of my favorite lyrics, and I was listening to it in the van and just sort of like, Actually, I was on the road. I was driving up the East Coast to go meet up with an artist at the start of the tour. So, you know, what do you do when you're doing a 12-hour road trip? You listen to music. So I was listening to Macklemore, and the line was, life is always greener when you're playing on AstroTurf, right? And I just thought, like, okay, like, what what does he mean by that? Like, what a weird thing to throw out. And just like, okay, what is AstroTurf? You throw it on your lawn when when you want to cover something up. You know, when you want to cover up your... Uh, you know, something that you haven't been taken care of. It looks good from far, but it's far from good. As you get closer, you realize it's a fate. You know, it, you, you're, you're hiding something. But eventually, uh, you know, like, like su- substance use, 
as substances use is often used to manage a, a traumatic emotion, you know, manage a traumatic experience and these negative emotions that you're going through because that, that's what alcohol does. It helps you feel a little bit better. It helps your muscles. You know, I'll think about it later, but eventually later has to come. And when you pull up that AstroTurf, you'll have a lot more work to take care of that lawn than you mm. did in the first place. And, uh, you know, when I pulled that out into group sessions, it's, it's taken up 90 minutes without even me do, doing much. I just throw it out there, you know what I mean? And sort of guide the conversations. But there's so many cool lyrics out there that if we have the opportunity, you know, with large artists and, you know, uh, up and coming artists, uh, ho hopefully the people who get, you know, who who've had experience with mental health, whether, whether it's directly or affected from their, uh, you know, affected their families or their friends or the best friends, uh, you know, may, maybe it will help the artists grow a more loyal fan base because people realize that, you know, we are, we do struggle with the same struggles. You know, my struggle isn't as common, although depression isolates us from everything else. Depression is not an isolated situation. And without, and if we could spark a little bit of a conversation starter, uh, then I, I think we've done our job and the artist has done their job and, and hopefully people will be able to grow some strength or build some strength and, and uh, be able to have a happy day. I think of where we are today uh, with the topic of mental health and how it's always been something, you know, keep it under the rug or under the AstroTurf, you know, and, and now it's, I, it is something that people have been over the last, we'll call it a few years, you know, people talking a lot more yeah. about it. And it sort of reminds me of maybe we'll call it a decade or a generation ago about women with sexual assault and rape and those things we can't, you know, we're not going to talk about it. It's, you know, it's a quiet thing, you know, but that has become more of that. We can talk about that. And same with mental health. If we can not be quiet about it, not, you know, walk around it, but actually confront it and make it more of the conversation. I think the more people are aware the more they realize maybe I personally do need help and I need to find out how I can get some help. Or maybe I know my friend, this isn't right. And I can contact you, for example, and I can get some help. That, that, that's yeah, that's, that's exactly it. You know, going off the example that you just thrown out there is for a long time, the perception was if you're struggling, you must be the problem. You know mm -hmm. uh, you know, when it, when it, for years and years and years, when it came to sexual assault, it wasn't the attacker that had the issue. Something, something the female did, or or or, or the victim. It, you know, it, it was the high heels or, or or the dress. Like, you know, what a sad excuse. You know, at, at where do at at what point do people start taking the accountability for their own actions? Yeah. And I think as a, as a society, we've had enough of, of that. And I'm happy that we are where we are and I'm excited for where, where we're going uh, because we will only keep growing into health, healthier society. And, you know, being in the unique position that over the bridges with uh, working with artists, artists and music, they're culture makers, culture developers, influencers, you know, whether you're opera, hip hop, jazz, heavy metal, death metal, whatever the case may be, you know, EDM, 
each sort of music style has their own culture underneath of it, whether it's how we dress, what substances we use, uh, how our mental health is accepted within that community. And so our goal now is to influence the influencers. So we have an opportunity to touch their fan bases and influence their, their fan bases with a positive message and let them know that no matter what our differences are, we are not alone. And, uh, you know, we're, it, if over the bridge isn't right for you, you know, there are other organizations out there uh, and it's not a one size fits all solution or else I'm sure you know, we would have found it by now. And uh, just having the compassion for ourselves that we do need to try a little bit and it does get, understand that there is frustrations that it happens. Well, well we, uh, you know, sort of stumble through and guide our way through our personal care. But uh, each, each person, as unique as the person we are, each individual's we are, so is the the solutions and but we don't have to do it alone you know and you know i want to thank you both you know uh for continuing this conversation because hopefully this someone will hear this and you know look into something if they're struggling or help someone else how did uh how did you recruit the rest of your board of directors oh uh we are on our second iteration of our board uh our first board was a was a good team to start off with but as we as even in the first iteration and now in our second iteration uh it was important to me not to have just people from the music industry but experts from other areas as well so we have a registered psychotherapist we have a pharmacist so when we're talking about drugs we have an idea of what we're talking about you know, uh, you know, I'm a certified peer support leader. Uh, so when people come to us, they, you know, they're, they're able to see that we're not just a group with good intentions, but we got the professionals in order to, to back up what we're doing as well. So that, that was a very important element to, to what we do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about Canada for a few minutes too about because you sure. are still a tour manager yeah. and i think a lot of people listening are probably based in the united states and mm-hmm. especially there are a lot of college students and one thing they need to think about is besides just playing shows east coast west coast wherever they are but also canada virtually everybody there aside from um quebec speaks english you know it, it is a market that you can consider marketing to, you know, with your Instagram or your Facebook ads, whatever, and, and potentially go up there and play, especially a place like Toronto. Mm-hmm. Talk about the logistics of doing a tour in Canada and talk about the great part of it, but talk about also, and you, you kind of touched upon this earlier, but sort of the really hard part about traveling and doing a Canadian tour. Uh, well, there's kind of two ways that you want to, you, you, you can go. You know, if you want to do a strictly Canadian tour without, you know, diving into the States there, uh, and it, it and also depends on wh- which direction you're going. If you're going from East Coast to West Coast, it's all about the booking, but you got to make sure you got to schedule your time for the drives 
Ontario alone from tip to tip is a 24 hour drive and that's one province. Right. So, but in Ontario that we, we call that we have a, the 401 route, which starts you off in uh, Windsor, London, Hamilton, Toronto, uh, Ottawa, and then you go up to Montreal, but then you got to start heading West and then be, between like Ottawa, once you're up Montreal, you have to cir- cir- uh, circle back a little bit, go to Ottawa, which is only two hours, three hours. And then you got to start going west. And the next big city is Winnipeg. So you start, so, uh, so, there, so there's a lot of long drives. Uh, there's a lot of really cool small B and C sort of towns that, that you can hit up. Uh, you know, Brandon, Manitoba, uh, and in th- places like that, uh, Moosehead, Saskatchewan. So there's there's a lot of cool places to, to hit up and unique places because man, when you're in the middle of nowhere, you're in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> uh, I'd recommend hitting it up over the summer. Uh, actually, spring and falls is probably the best time to tour. Summertime, people are outside doing the camp and stuff and whatever. You're trying to get outside. Last thing they want to do is be in a dark, smelly club uh so spring and fall avoid the winter if you can uh i've been in minus a lot before (laughs) it sucks uh so yeah you know first and foremost but you know make sure to get your work papers you know uh it's a lot easier if you're american to get into canada uh don't try and rip the border people off be honest with the amount of merch you have on there be prepared for that give yourself a good 10 hours at the border there's a good chance uh you'll you might get over in 45 minutes right but i've also been stuck at the border you know canada going into the u.s i've been stuck for 12 hours uh myself being interrogated right uh and it's 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 not fun (laughs) so get your work papers uh depending on how large your band is consider getting your merch printed in Canada, you know, so you don't have to worry about taxes and all that and be honest with yourselves about how much merch you, you might be able to sell. It's one thing smuggling, you know, 15 shirts back over the border at the end of your run, as opposed to an extra 200 shirts. Right. So uh, be honest with that. Uh, make sure you budget for, for gas money. You know, when you have an eight hour drive, there's websites up there where you can estimate your, your gas. Always take that number and add 15% to any of your budgets uh, to make sure you, you don't think, oh, you know, it's only going to cost me 200 bucks. You know, and that's what you budget for. And then when it costs, you know, 250 or 300 bucks, uh, you don't get caught in a financial disaster. So be honest with it. Give yourself lots of time as a tour manager when I schedule my travel trips for every hour, I add an extra 15 minutes onto it. Uh, you know, someone, ha- someone always has to stop and take a pee is someone always has to do that. So if it's a three hour, I book three hours, 45 minutes, four hours. I book five minutes. If I'm going into a major city, especially in the States like New York, I'll add uh, an extra 90 minutes before I start adding those 15 minutes. Cause you don't know what local traffic is going to be like in places like that. If I give yourself lots of time, uh, it's going to suck because you got to get up from those early mornings. Make sure you get your sleep. Uh, don't, you know, uh, after shows, you know, 
stay away from the booze because the, the you know booze is a depressant and it doesn't really help you get to sleep and it's valuable. So, yeah. Hey, yeah, when you and I, speaking of sleep, because when you and I spoke a week ago, you were talking about the runs where you were you were up for 24 hours in a row. Can you kind of get into why that was and the feeling and what that does to you in, in terms of what your position as a tour manager was and, and the effectiveness and how it you know carries over over a number of days and weeks and all that? Yeah, that, that comes when you're working with agents who, who are in it for the money and don't give it about the health and welfare of your artists, where, where they'll book uh, two shows with a 13-hour drive in between and forget that you got to go through a time zone and it happens to also be a daylight savings day as well, right? <laughs> so, so, so after that 12-hour drive, which takes you technically 14 because you've lost two hours, you show up to the venue just in the nick of time for sound check. You get in there, you set up your merch, you got the bands going on, you do your show. And then the agent thought it'd be a great idea to do another uh, six hour drive after the show there. Right. If, if that happens to you, take the hit of the money. It's not, you know, how much take the hit or make your agent rebook it. And if you're booking it, don't do it. Because <laughs> you'll, you'll burn yourself out. You get pissed off. Next thing you know, you might get fired. Or, you know, I've seen bass players get fired because their attitude turns because they weren't able to get that rest. You know, and it's our natural, when we're struggling, you know, mentally, uh, it's, it's, uh, it, it's tough to communicate with the people that are supporting you. And you get upset with them. So, yeah, don't don't do that. That that shit's bad, man. <laughs> you know, I, people like to say it's common sense, but when, when you're presented with a potential thrill of like, hey, we can get through this sort of mentality, ooh, that's an unhealthy mindset to be in. Sure, it sounds fun at 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 the beginning, but uh, you know, especially where that is, like where that run is in. in within your tour is it the start of your tour is it the end of your tour if it's the start you're setting yourself up for disaster for the rest of it and if it's at the end of the tour well you won't be seeing each other for a couple months after that because the you know stress levels are going to be high so and then you also when we spoke we talked about eating on the tour and one thing i remember you you brought up i don't remember the exact context was there's a, a member of the road crew who's the guy who's, you know, pretty strong macho guy, but he's definitely overweight and he's the one eating the Twinkie. And um, is he eating the Twinkie because he just wants to eat whatever he wants or because he can't get what he really should be eating? Or um, is he eating the Twinkie and that's a cry for help, you know? Uh, can you talk a little bit about that, you know? Yeah, you know, and, and I fall into that category as well. You know, I'm, I'm a guy that I've named nickname my my stomach the 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 taco belly because <laughs> you know taco bell uh, was my choice of food there for a bit uh but 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 also you know all those sweet foods and all that stuff you know it it, it boosts those dopamine and the serotonin in our brain so it brings that instant gratification or the healthier foods they they don't really do the automatic boost but you know and that's once again 
uh, we're chasing that high of something, right? Uh, whether it's the performance high or, or even food high, you know, we eat those sweets because it, because it tastes good. Uh, and when we're doing that, especially late at night, it's because we're bored, you know, cause after getting in that van, after that big, like explosion of energy, you know, now you're, now you're crashing real hard and you're like, well, okay, well, I'm just going to sit here and you're bored and eating and stuff like that. And uh, it's, it's not a healthy place to be. You know, it's, that's a good opportunity. Uh, if you are someone who's health conscious, you know, and I hope every band has that. It's just like, like, Hey, this was the third day I've seen you smashing down a box of Twinkies post show, man. Like everything. Okay. You know, and, you know, and maybe promote people to stop texting their spouses at home and the people and get on the phone with them, you know, I, I, hey, we're at the venue. You're, you're the lead singer, guitar player. We've loaded in, sound check, go talk to them. You know, schedule or maybe I've had a couple tours to connect because that's what we're, that, that's why we're eating crappy is because we're, we're actually at a loss of connection from our support systems at home. Is, uh, I, I know Bieber has done this in the last couple of years where he said between three and four, that everybody in the crew stops, everybody call, call their people at home, right? In order, order to connect, because from my understandings, uh, there was like fought before he had, they had taken that steps within their camp, there was a whole bunch of divorces going on at the same time. Uh, and uh, once they had an opportunity to sit there, contact back home, those divorce rates started to decrease because they, you know, talking about their day, how they're feeling, you know, what's going on at home. Uh, and yes, you're there for your job, but man, we're only human at the end of the day. We need that connection to our support team. And, uh, you know, we call each other tour family when we're on the road and all that. And people say, Oh, you know, tour, you know, families fight and all that, but they're also there for support. So, whether you need support from your home family or support from your road family, be honest about what, what's going on in your life. If you're someone who, who struggles with mental health or recovery, find one or 10 people. If, you know, be honest with everybody about what's going on. Uh, so when you are having those bad days, people know that you're having a bad day rather than you're just being an asshole. You know, because mm. I mean? that's usually it's like, oh, that guy's just a jerk. Well, why is he a jerk? You know, why is he lashing out at everybody? Right. And, and uh, sometimes it's because someone's having a mental health struggle that they don't feel safe to, to open up about. And we need that connection. And when we're away from our homes, we lack that connection. So, uh, you know, your sound guy, you know, it, 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 if, you're, if you're someone who does better with talking to strangers about that stuff, Hey, use the local sound guy, the local light guy, you know, know, if you seem, you know, vibe him out a bit. And if you think he's all right, just like, Hey, how you doing? Can I be honest with you? Things are right. (laughs) And then you never need to see the guy again. Who cares? You know what I mean? But if you're someone who, who, who uh, likes to know who your support is and have that consistent support, Hey, your lead singer, your bass player, your drummer, you know, they're there. They're your buddies. You know, you're all pissing in the same bus and hotel rooms. You can't get more personal than that, right? So uh, when Pete, when I hear people say those are personal issues, I don't talk about that. that that's a that's a weak excuse. 
because when you're kissing beside, I mean, I see your ass while you're showering. That's personal. You're in my personal space. <laughs> so, so I need my, my space to be uh, on the up and up. So. Well, this was great having you in our personal space for the last hour, Ace Piva. So oh. we appreciate you being here. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for letting me ramble on. I appreciate it. <laughs> no, it was, it was great stuff. And we do want to remind people that, what is your website, Ace? Oh, oh, Overthebridge.org. And on social media, we are OTB Nonprofit. Uh, and if you don't mind, I'll, can I give a quick little plug here? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So, so if you are uh, a musician or a college student who's in the music program, whether it's being a tech or elsewise, uh, and you feel that you need some support and, and if you feel that you're alone or having a low day, we are here to talk. We run our uh, Zoom peer support groups every Tuesday and Friday between 2 and 3 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, and you could go to our website overthebridge.org, scroll down just a little bit and there's a button that will open up the Zoom group and, and we will be there for you. And for 24-hour support, join us on our over, on our uh, Facebook peer support group, which you could find at OTB Nonprofit as well. So, Wow, that's great. So, Ace, thank you. You know what we say at the end of every show, Ace? What's that? We do not say hello, because that would be stupid. But instead, at the every end of every show, we say, and I want you to say it along with us, okay? We I say, love adios. 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 Say it once, Ace. Adios. Adios. I'm tired of fighting with myself. I'm tired of living in this living hell. I'm tired of convincing myself I'm not tired. I'm so cold. Someone has to fade these bones. Too weak to stand on my own. Get up, shut up, lose what you can't control So here's to you You're still a broken lamp on the bedroom floor When you had too much to think Here's to you All the afternoons with the curtains pulled removed Dancing with the pain Here's to you
myself I'm not 